this morning and we're looking at verse 10 to verse um, 13 verse 10 to verse 13 those of you who are careful readers you'll notice that verse it, it can actually be taken from I mean we'll look at verse um, 11 to verse 13 um, for careful readers you'll notice that the story can actually connect up until verse 20 but as I was reading during the week and and, and preparing the sermon I saw that there's so much in, in verses uh, 11 to 13 that I wanted to just pause right there uh, this morning and what we're going to look at we're going to look at the, the the subject of or the topic of danger of missing the signs the danger of missing the signs we're reading mark chapter 8 verse 11 to 13 let's read together the Pharisees came and began to argue with him him referring to Jesus seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him and he sighed deeply in his spirit and said why does this generation seek a sign truly I say to you no sign will be given to this generation and he left them got into the boat and went to the other side this is God's word let us pray we have come with open hearts let your ancient words impart. It is our prayer this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me tell you a story. Um, a, t- a truck driver was taking his load to a new destination. And as he drove, he intently was watching the signs leading to his exit. He was uh, focused on his exit. And in in his effort to find the right exit, he missed the the warning signs of a low bridge. To his astonishment, his truck became stuck under the bridge. He, He could not move forward or he could not move backward. Traffic began to back up and tempers began began to to, to flare and rise. The, the police were called, tow trucks were called, and, and in an effort to, they began to free the stuck truck. They tried tow trucks, uh, wenches, uh, grease, pulleys, wedges, and, and anything else anyone suggested. Nothing worked. The hours passed. And the truck remained just as dark as ever. But by this time, a considerable crowd had gathered to watch the workers in their attempts to free the truck. And the crowd, in that crowd, was a little boy who was riding his bicycle over the bridge. He had stopped to watch the show. And after a few minutes, he called out to one of the policemen below. He said, hey, officer. I know how to get the truck out from under the bridge. The police officer looked up but ignored the little boy. The boy wanted to help. And he cried out loud and said, Hey, officer, I know how to get the truck out from under the bridge. And with a hint of irritation and annoyance in his voice, the police officer said, Okay, young man, tell me how. Without a pause, the little boy said, Let some of the air out of the tires. And uh, they did. So what they did, and the truck was able to be pulled free. 
I don't know if this story is true or not. Either way, the story does teach a couple of important truths, doesn't it? First, it teaches us that it's easy to overlook the obvious, even when it's staring uh, staring you right in the face. Secondly, wise people learn to pay attention to all the signs. Wise people learn to pay attention to all the signs. Signs are important in this physical world, aren't they? I have missed a few tens myself because I missed the road sign. I have been speeding because I I missed a sign that told me to slow down. Signs help you to know where you are and where you're supposed to be going. Signs serve as a valuable purpose. They, They serve a valuable purpose in our lives. Just as there are signs in the physical realm, there are also signs in the spiritual realm. Those signs are even more important than the signs in the spiritual realm, in the physical realm. You you can miss a sign or two here and things will uh, eventually turn out fine, right? But if you miss too many spiritual signs, you might end up in hell. At the very least, you will end up in deep trouble with the Lord. This passage tells us about a group of people who missed all the signs and got themselves in big trouble with the Lord Jesus. And let's watch what happens when you miss the spiritual signs that the Lord has prepared for you. I want you to see this truth in the passage as I preach on the thought, the danger of missing the signs. This is a warning that many should take to heart. The, the, the passage before us unfolds in three episodes. It unfolds in three episodes. First of all, we see a stupid demand. A stupid demand. Secondly, we see a serious declaration. And thirdly, we see a sad departure. A sad departure. First of all, let us look in verse 11. We see a stupid demand in verse 11. Look at verse 11. The Pharisees came and began to argue with Jesus, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. Jesus had just finished one of the greatest miracles of his ministry. He he took seven loaves of bread and a few small fish and he had fed thousands of people. When the meal was over, the disciples collected the seven baskets filled with leftovers from the meal. And according to verse 10, Jesus and his men immediately leave by sheep and go to another part of Israel. As soon as they arrive there, they are met by the Pharisees. You, you might remember that the Pharisees were religious conservatives of their day. They were very legalistic and they, 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 they hated Jesus because he refused to do things the way they said things were supposed to be done. When Jesus arrives in their area, they, 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 they came out to meet him. The Bible says in verse 11, they began to argue with him. Just notice that. They began to argue with him. The, 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 the word argue here uh, is used in a tense that suggests that they wouldn't shut up. They, they, they wouldn't keep quiet. They kept arguing with him. They kept on trying to drag Jesus into a theological argument. We are told that they were trying... Uh, what they were trying to get Jesus actually to do. 
They, they, they wanted him to show them a sign from heaven. The, the Bible says this was to test him. They were trying to get Jesus to prove his authority and his source of power. After all, if Jesus is of God, then surely he could do some wonder in the sky above to prove that fact. Right? Other men of God had done similar things in Israel before. Joshua, remember, in Joshua chapter 10, verse 12 um, to 14, had commanded the sun to be still and it, it obeyed. Samuel prayed during a battle and the Lord answers with, uh, answered with, with, with strong and loud thunder which confused their enemies. Elijah, remember, Elijah comes in the scene and prays that it will not rain for three and a half years, and it does not rain in 1 Kings chapter 17 verse 1. And again, he prays in 1 Kings chapter 18 verse 41 to 45 that it rains, and it rains. Remember on another occasion, he calls down fire from heaven, which consumed the sacrifice and the altar that lay upon it in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 36 to 38. Others had done similar signs in the past to prove that they had been from the Lord. What these men are really trying to do was to get Jesus to promise more than he could deliver. They knew that the signs, they knew about the signs that he had done. Remember? Jesus was doing them publicly. He, he was not hiding. He was doing them publicly. They, they knew about all of them. They, they knew about his expelling of demons and his provision of food. They knew all of that. They were trying to get him to attempt a miracle that is too hard for him and fail so that they could denounce him as a false prophet. They're also trying, they're also saying that all the signs Jesus had already done in the power of God were insufficient to prove that he was the Messiah. They, they, they knew the things he had done, but they wanted more. They wanted more. Consider all the miracles that Jesus had already done, the, the miracles that they have already witnessed from Jesus. First of all, Jesus healed the sick, remember? Jesus raised the dead. He delivered people from the bondage of, of, of demonic possession. Jesus walked on water. He calmed the storms. Jesus had twice multiplied a small amount of food and vast multitudes were fed by it. Jesus had opened the word of God, preached it clearly and made the meaning of the scriptures plain to all who heard him. The, the people were all talking about him, remember? In, in Mark chapter 2 verse 12, they said we, we never saw anything like this. And in chapter 7 verse 37, they said he had done all things well. They had seen these things. The Pharisees had had enough gospel to save the world. They had seen the pr enough proof to convince the most stubborn of skeptics. Their problem was simply that they did not want to believe in Jesus. Their problem was not the lack of evidence. Their problem was a hardened heart against Jesus. They did not want him to be their Messiah. They, they refused to believe 
and bow to him as savior. We still have the Pharisees with us today. We still have people who demand to see something sensational before they commit to following Jesus. People thrive on the sensational, don't they? Why do you think someone like Bashiri has such a following? People flock to him because he promises them the sensational. Why do you think people like Benihim have such a following? It's not because of his hair, right? It's because he promises the sensational. Far too many people are waiting to, on some supernatural event to prove the existence of God. The, the, the fact is, God has already proven, brothers and sisters, God has already proven that he exists. While the world is looking for a sign, God tells us that he is visible in ordinary things of this world. That the, the things we take for granted every day are the very things that God proves himself to be real. Let me share a few of those with you. Consider the heavens. God's creation. Psalm 19 verse 1 to 4. It, it tells us that God, that, 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 that the heavens uh, tell us about God, that they declare the glory of God. If you think about it, from, from a, a mathematical um, point of view, our earth is traveling around its own axis. 1,669 uh, uh, kilometers per hour. It moves around the sun 107,000 kilometers per hour. It is carried by the sun across our galaxy at the speed of 102,000 kilometers per hour. It moves in the orbit around our galaxy 770,000 kilometers per hour. It travels through space 200 million kilometers per hour. Every 24 hours. We cover 91.7 million kilometers. Every year, we travel 20 billion, 900 million kilometers across an empty space. I know it's numbers. Sometimes they get too overwhelming, don't they? But the point is, the heavens are telling the glory of God. You don't need to remember the numbers. You need to remember this. When you look at God's creation, it witnesses and testifies of the fact that it is created by God and it declares his glory. Every movement in the billions of galaxies in the universe occurs with precise split-second timing. Everything moves according to the beat of the drama who is the creator of the universe. I always wonder, brothers and sisters, that you think about the animals in this world, you think about the planet, the trees, the mountains, the stars, the moon, the galaxies, they all, they all are, are willing and speedily declare the glory of God and, and how they live. They live in their purposes, except for one creature. And th this creature is the crown of God's creation. 
This creature is the only creature made in the image of God and in the likeness of God. Yet this creature seeks to walk in its own ways. God has made, has made man upright, but he sought his own ways. God has made us upright, but we sought our own ways. We are the only creature in God's creation who are rebelling against our good creator. You see, brothers and sisters, when we stand before God at the last day, the excuse would not be from us, God, you did not give me enough evidence. The lack is not evidence. The problem is the hardened heart. Because some people, brothers and sisters, know that if they actually believe that God exists, that they have to fashion their lives according to God's ways. And so in order to live their lives their own ways, they would rather ignore the fact that God exists. So that they don't feel a need for accountability. You see, when someone says, I was a Christian, and now I don't believe the Bible anymore, I don't believe your fairy tale anymore, uh, it is not so much about the fact that they have gained intelligence. It is the fact that they want to follow a sinful lifestyle and want to ignore everything about God. The biggest wish of a sinner is that God does not exist. Because if God does not exist, you're not accountable to anyone. Consider not only the heavens themselves, but the marvel of your own body, right? The marvel of your human body. David said that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, Psalm 139 verse 14. A, a span and an egg joined together to produce life. Uh, no two people in the world are exactly alike, are they? No two, no two fingerprints are alike. Co consider the marvel of your DNA, Every one of your 7.5 trillion of cells in your body contains the genetic material to make you, to make another you. And your DNA is unique to you. You are different from every other person who has ever lived. If you have, if you've watched those crime investigation uh, 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 documentaries, you, you'll notice that some of the crimes that were committed in the 70s where the, 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 the science of, uh, you know, DNA uh, was not there, but evidence was there and they could not test it. And now because they have that evidence, they start, they start to test it. They can actually determine who exactly committed the crime because it is unique to you. Look at your body. It communicates the glory of God. It communicates the wonder of the divine engineer. All of these things scream that there is a God. What more of a sign do you need? What more do you need? Do you need someone to roll around so that you can believe? Do you need someone to start speaking in, 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 in gibberish so that you can believe? Is that what you want? Is that the kind of evidence you need? 
the, the fact is, brothers and sisters, these signs and, and many more are proof positive of God's existence. To reject him and his word while you claim to be waiting for a sign is nothing more than rebellion against God. Romans chapter 1 verse 18 tells us that the wrath of God has appeared because of men who suppress the, right, the, 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 the truth of God. That they suppress the truth of God in their unrighteousness. God has made himself known. He has put evidence everywhere. For lack of, uh, uh, this is not blasphemy. If God was a criminal, he would be a clumsy criminal because he left his fingerprints everywhere. He left his fingerprints everywhere. Wherever you look, is God's testimony. Wherever you look, God has left his fingerprints. He has left evidence of himself. He has left a scent of himself. He has left a DNA of himself everywhere. The, 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 the world just, just testifies of the fact that there is this amazing, mighty, supreme God of the universe who holds everything by the power of his word. If you're looking for a sign today, Look no further than Calvary. Look again at Calvary where despair was overrun. That cross that stands as an eternal sign of the love of God stands there to testify about the fact that God saw the world in its darkness and did something about it. If you are looking for a sign, look at the empty tomb. It is the eternal sign of our Savior that he is alive forever. We, we do not serve a God who is in the grave. We serve a God who conquered the grave. My father-in-law says Christianity is the faith of an empty tomb. If you need a sign pointing the way to God, look at the Bible in your lap. It has survived the attacks of the enemies of God and it clearly points the way to salvation. Many try to destroy the Bible. There was a man, Voltaire, he said in his time, he was an atheist, he hated God and hated everything about Christianity. He said in a hundred years time, the Bible will not exist. The only Bible that will be left will be a Bible in a museum. A hundred years later, his house was used as a Bible printing press. They tried. The Bible has survived wars. It has survived rumors of wars. It has survived bloodshed. It has survived all the attempts of atheists to stop it. It has gone through and you have it in your lap today. You have it in your phone today. You have it as an audio Bible today. It testifies of God. It leads, it points to the way of salvation. If you're looking for a sign to prove the claims of the Bible, 
and of the Lord that are real. Just look around you. Look around you. Some of you were in the world, drunkards, given to the lures of the world, but are in Christ now. Some of you were given to immorality, but are in Christ now. Some of you were in false religion, but are in Christ now. Some of you were in, in African traditional religions, worshipping things that have nothing to do with God, but are in Christ now. Look around you. Look at the face around you. The Bible shows us that God transforms us. Isn't that amazing, brothers and sisters? The Pharisees didn't believe because they didn't want to believe. Their request for a sign was a smoke screen. Even if Jesus had opened the heavens, they still would not have believed in him. They would want more. They, they, they had this ferocious desire for a sign. By the way, False teachers are the best at marketing false signs. And the reason they, that they are the best is because they know that people are not looking for the truth. They are looking for miracles. They are looking for signs. That's why you find someone going from one false teacher to another and nothing is changing in their lives. The only thing that is changing is the fact that their bank account is getting smaller and smaller and smaller as they go from one false teacher to another. They rejected him because he wasn't what they were expecting. Now I wonder... If you are here and you are rejecting him, what your excuse is? I wonder what your excuse is. We see the second episode. The first episode is stupid. Demand the second episode we see in verse 12, a serious declaration. A serious declaration. Look at verse 12. And he sighed deeply. In his spirit and said, why does this generation seek a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And Jesus hears their demand, he is grieved in his soul. He, his is a sigh of frustration and perhaps even anger. His question, why does this generation seek after a sign, was a question born out of amazement. After all, that generation had the greatest sign of all in their midst. They had the Messiah, God in the flesh, walking among them, and they could not even recognize him. They were looking for a heavenly sign, and heaven had taken up residence among them, and they missed it. Jesus said, whoever has seen me has seen the Father, John chapter 14 verse 9. But when men looked at Jesus, they didn't see the Father. They saw the devil. They accused him of, 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 of performing miracles by the son of Beelzebub. That generation had all the signs and they could not see the truth that was standing right in front of their eyes. 
that, that generation had all the signs and they failed to see the truth. As Jesus told them that they would, not, that they would not be given any sign. But the sign of the prophet Jonah, when he says the same thing in Matthew chapter 12, verse 39 to 40. The only sign that they will be given is the sign of the resurrection of Christ. When that sign came to pass, just as Jesus said it would, they also rejected it. Remember Matthew chapter 8, 28, verse 11 to 15. They fabricated a story saying, telling the, 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 the soldiers there, tell them that the disciples came to steal his body. Imagine disciples that are not trained in military abilities coming and defeating and not even killing or bruising them defeating uh, the, the, the soldiers who were guarding the door and then opening a rock that was too heavy stealing a body of a of a man who is dead where do they hide him can, can you hear how ridiculous that is Jesus promised them a sign of his resurrection and they still rejected it. They still denied it. They still did not accept it. So you can see, brothers and sisters, that the problem was not lack of science. It was the heart. Jesus refused to play their game. He tells them that he's not in the sign business. <laughs> He is not, he has not come to put posters and say, come for your miracle. Jesus is not in the sign business. He's in the business of saving souls. There are two basic problems with signs. First, when a sign is given, another sign is desired. It's never enough. No matter what Jesus did, this man would never have believed. He, he could have opened the heavens and caused myriads of angels to appear, but they would have wanted to see more. He could have done any number of signs and wonders in heaven above and they still would not have received him. They would have always wanted more and more miracles. The same is true today. People are never satisfied. If they come because of the sensational, they will require more and more of the same. I always say when I speak to uh, pastors that what you win people with what you win people by, you must keep them by that thing. If you win them with gimmicks, you must continue creating more gimmicks. You must have a better gimmick next week. You're in trouble. But if you win them with the word, you keep them with the word. That's why it's never advisable to join a church because of the music. Or to join a church because there's a celebrity. Join the church because of the word. Second, signs don't save. Faith does. Jesus could have done all the signs imaginable and it would never have saved a single soul. Remember on the day of Pentecost? How many people were actually followers of Jesus? 120. 
But he fed the 5,000. He fed 4,000. He healed the sick. He uh, healed the blind and so on and so forth. Where were they? Where were they? 120 people were following him. Signs don't save. Jesus dies in faith. Jesus isn't in the sign, in the business sign. He's in the salvation business. If you're waiting for like a, a Damascus experience before you come to Jesus, you will probably be waiting for a long time. Most people don't get the dog and the pony show. Most people are convicted of their sins, drawn to Jesus, and are called upon to respond to him by simple faith. If you are waiting for a sign, you might just wait until you get to hell. Again, the greatest sign of all already has been given. Look again at Calvary, where sin was defeated. Look again at Calvary, where the love of God was displayed fully. Look again at Calvary, where despair was overrun. Look again at Calvary, where sinners were drawn to God. Look again at Calvary, where the wrath of God was, pour, was poured on the Son of God for the people of God to be drawn to God. Look again to Calvary. No sign will be given this generation except the sign of Calvary and the resurrection of the Messiah. Now lastly, we find an episode that is sad. And so I call it a sad departure, verse 13. Look at those first four words. And he left them. He left them. Now among the, the saddest words in all the gospel record. He left them. There was nothing more to say and nothing more that could be done. They refused to believe and he abandoned them to their choice. He left them. Those men experienced the wrath of God's abandonment. That they turned over to their own ways and he left them in their darkness. What a horrible thought, brothers and sisters, but that is just what the Lord does. Romans chapter 1 verse 18 to 28, the Bible says that those who refused to, 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 to give up their sin, who, who, who kept getting into more and more sin, it says the Lord left them to their devices. He gave them over. And he said, to, like the Israelites, you want meat? You are going to have meat. Do you want your sin? Here, take it. He, he left them. Now let me stop here. C.S. Lewis says that there are two responses between God and man. It's either man says to God, your will be done. 
or God will say to men, your will be done. Brothers and sisters, we, we, we shouldn't test God to a point when he gives us up to our own wills. Our desire is for the will of God to be done in and through us. Our desire is for God to work in us. Think about those third words. He left them. What is it that you are rebelliously holding on to even when God in his word is telling you to discard of it, to let go of it? He left them. What is it that you are stubbornly holding on to? Your, your darling sin, he left them. The, the, the thing that, 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 that you, you, you think you deserve and you must have, he left them. The God of yesterday is still God today. And he still calls you to believe and walk with him. There will come a time, brothers and sisters, where like Esau, where he sought repentance, even with tears, he could not get it. I'm not a prophet to tell you that time will come. It might come today. It might come today. That is why today, brothers and sisters, is the day of salvation. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 2. Today is the opportune time. Now, not tomorrow. Do not delay. He left them got into the boat and went to the other side. The worst place to be in, brothers and sisters, is to be at a place where God has left. It doesn't matter about these kind of buildings. We can have this building and it could be covered. The glory of God has departed. That is the worst place to be in. Doesn't matter what songs we sing, it could be covered. We should seek the will of God. We should look to God, see the signs everywhere. There's no danger like missing the signs of God. Amen? Let's pray. Indeed, Lord, you have shown yourself. You have made yourself known in ways that cannot be avoided. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The heavens declare your glory. Your word display who you are. We pray that our hearts will be receptive of the truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.